Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. It is the morning after the Wednesday of the early signing date for the 2020 recruiting cycle. It is T. Watts and T.R. kind of becoming sort of a Groundhog Day thing we've got going with the number of podcasts we've been churning out, but certainly want to keep you abreast of everything happening involving Alabama football recruiting and joining me once again on this Thursday morning. Mr. Tim Watts. Tim, uh, I'm guessing you like uh, Alabama fans, probably even that Alabama coaching staff, given the lack of drama that sort of uh, wasn't there, the the drama that wasn't there on Wednesday, probably got a pretty good night's sleep, I'm guessing, Tim. Yeah, you know, it's pretty funny. You know, you deal with the Alabama staff and you hear how other staffs handle it, but with Alabama, it's just like business as usual. They're in office meetings yesterday. They're at practice. They're just status quo. I mean, it's it's a little bit different. I think some schools are that way, but, you know, you hear a lot of excitement. You hear people in a war room waiting for announcements. Um, I don't really think Alabama does that. So I think it was status quo, you know, from from our end, the no drama. It was still a sh- really busy day. I mean, you saw you saw teams get blindsided with flips, and, you, you know, certainly Rakim Jarrett flipping from LSU to Maryland, and Alabama was involved in there sort of keeps you on the edge. But, you know, I you know, I said this yesterday, and I'll keep saying it. On signing day, everybody wants a surprise. But do you really want a surprise? Because not all surprises are good. Yeah, if you're Nick Saban and you're out there on day three of Citrus Bowl prep, the last thing you want, not that I think he has his cell phone with him on the practice field, but if you're a coach in general anywhere, you're just trying to run a bowl practice. And if that cell phone's going off a lot, that's probably not a good sign while you're trying to no. get your team ready for bowl practice. No, I would think they have some of those guys, not the coaches so much, but the support staff. I'm pretty sure they're they're glued to BOL and Twitter and other places and, and seeing it as the news comes in. And, uh, you know, a lot of the suspense for the Alabama staff is gone because a lot of the kids have already sent in their letter of intent, and the Alabama support yeah. staff is waiting to release them and tweet it out when they have their ceremony. Um, so while the Alabama fans are a nervous wreck, like what's going on, like the kid Holden, who uh, Treshawn Holden, the wide receiver from uh, uh, the West Coast, he was sort of like, what do I do? What do I do? Well, his letter of intent was at Alabama. So <laughs> everybody else knew, and he was just having a little last-minute fun. But I think he had sent it in during the school day. So after school, he was having a little fun on Instagram. So um, that Alabama staff, they're a little bit of a machine. So Yeah. I guess Jace McClellan may have been one of those guys, too, that may have actually sent in his letter of intent. But, you know, Alabama, in some instances, you even heard Nick Saban allude to this in his post-practice signing day uh, slash signing day news conference last night that, uh, you know, they try to to honor the the the. the uh, commitment, the ceremony yeah. part yeah. by, by not announcing those things. Yeah. And we do that the same way we had, you know, we we've done that for years. We don't really want to ruin their moment. Um, 
the funny thing is, like, you know, Will Anderson, we were waiting to, waiting to tweet it out yesterday, waiting for the, the Alabama official site to tweet it out. And Will Anderson said, I've been sending it in. <laughs> so he's, like, <laughs> running his own moment. Like, oh, you know, he's doing it later. So we try to let them have their moment. I mean, it's their moment. It's not ours. So we're just following the story. So, yeah, but I think a pretty stress-free day for Alabama. Um, great class that we're about to discuss. And now I think we're going to look at it. They're going to regroup, come up with what they need, go after priorities. There'll be some guys out there. So it's uh, still some recruiting to be done. No doubt about it. And uh, we're going to get into that right now. We're going to take more of a positional look at this early haul that Alabama was able to sort of put to bed on Wednesday. And for me, Tim, and we're going to get around to Bryce Young. We're going to get around to the sexy skill positions in, in those areas of this class. But when you talk about winning championships, especially in today's game, it's really about can you win in space? Can you win in affecting quarterbacks? And when I look at this Alabama group of outside linebackers and inside linebackers, we sort of touched on this in the last few pods, the versatility at those positions, the ability for some of these guys to play multiple positions, uh, I got to start at outside linebacker, though, Tim. I, I, I can't say enough about that group that they were able to put on paper yesterday. Yeah, I mean, the thing about this class as a whole is just speed and athleticism everywhere. I mean, even Tim Smith, the defensive tackle, a big monster of a guy, but you would describe him as a quick dude, a quick twitch guy, a guy that gets to the quarterback and a guy that can run. Um, yeah, when you look at these guys, and, and, and I mean the linebackers in general, you know, let's just sort of talk about them. And you start with, you know, I guess it starts with Drew Sanders, um, the five-star linebacker from Texas. He's a guy, now we're listing him as an outside edge rusher, but I mean, it's not much, it's not a much of a stretch for him to move inside if needed. This is a big guy that can run. Um, I talked to numerous college football staffs, um, a lot of, I talked to a lot of different people about Drew Sanders. I had NFL guys, former NFL guys look at his tape and Drew Sanders was unanimous across the board. Everybody loved him. Um, great kid, you know, the, the lunch pail type. He's not, you know, he sort of reminds you of Julio and, and Mink and all those guys at Alabama. They didn't talk a whole lot. They didn't, they didn't, they didn't tweet a whole lot. They didn't hype themselves a whole lot, but on film, just a fantastic football player. Des Moines Kennedy's another one. Um, you know, this guy's, you know, this guy's probably, I'm guessing going to end up inside, could end up at outside, but you know, very versatile guy stock went up, you know, just shot through the roof. We've talked about him a couple times this year, but when you look at, you now you put, I saw him at wildcat going 96 yards on a sweep for a touchdown, just a phenomenal athlete. Um, and you can see how big a deal he was. LSU made him a top priority down to the, basically to signing day. They, they, they really wanted this kid really bad. Uh, the defensive coordinator, Aranda, had him really high on the board, at the top of the board, I believe. So that tells you, you know, Aranda's got a pretty good eye, and of course Alabama does. This, guy, this kid's got a lot, um, you know, a lot of potential. And I think he's going to be a guy that's going to be hard to keep him off the field next year. Yeah, because of that ability to cover a lot of ground uh, quickly, as you said, with the ball in his hands uh, this past year at Theodore High School, I want to say his first four carries of the 2019 season all went for touchdowns. And, yeah. uh these weren't goal line wildcat situations, okay? These were explosive plays from Des Moines Kennedy. Oh yeah, these are not. Yeah, these are. We're talking about interceptions and you know not just picking the ball off, but taking it back to the house. So he's a guy that's going to put a lot. Uh, you know, he's going to be a guy that's going to get out there right away. You got another, you know, another work work ethic guy. You talk to his coaches, you talk to the people in the Mobile area. 
opposing coaches, everybody loves Des Moines. And I think that's going to be a theme with this class. You're not just talking about great athletes and great football players, but you're talking about high-character guys that work hard. Yeah, um, and Drew, Drew Sanders, you pointed out, his versatility. You know, you, you think about guys that are 6'5"-ish, and you don't think of them typically working inside as much. But I, I see some Dante Hightower, perhaps, Tim, and Drew Sanders. And you remember uh, Dante, when he was right, you know, when he was when he was back from the knee injury in 2011 and 2008 and into 2009 before that knee injury, that was a big dude that could do a lot of different things at the linebacker positions. And sort of like Drew Sanders, Dante Hightower in high school was freakish in terms of his ability to make plays with the ball in his hands. Absolutely. We sent T.G. Uh, Pascal, BOL's old photographer, one of our favorite guys. He was going to cover Tennessee and he stopped to see Dante. Uh, Friday night on the way to, to Knoxville for the Alabama game. And he texted me and said, hey, this kid just returned a kickoff for a touchdown. And I was like, what in the hell? I didn't. I had no idea the guy. I had no – I mean, I knew the guy was a really good prospect, but I didn't know he's back there returning kickoffs for touchdowns. So that's not a bad comparison at all. I agree. A lot of versatility. And these guys, when you look at them, some of these guys, their frame is unbelievable. And, you know, going back to Drew, I've had numerous – Coaches tell me this guy's an NFL tight end. Mm-hmm. So, yes, I think that I think that he could, you know, that's the kind of athlete he is. You can find a spot for him just about anywhere, inside linebacker, outside linebacker. He obviously prefers defense, um, and I, the Alabama staff obviously loves him on defense. But, I, you know, I think that if he said, I'd like to give a shot at tight end, the coaches would be happy. Well, not the defensive coaches, but, yeah, this kid's a big kid, big frame, can run well. You know, a guy that's getting no talk right now, you know, especially because his injuries, the Birmingham, um, you know, Q Robinson. He's a guy I thought – now, I will say this. His best football is ahead of him. He's still raw, um, has to be coached up and all. But you're talking about an athlete, a guy that can run, a guy that can move. And again, he's going to have a little bit of a learning curve. He's, you know, he missed a lot this year with an injury. But from a physical aspect, this guy's a this guy's a phenomenal athlete. Yeah, I like some things instinctively that you see from Q Robinson on tape. Not necessarily that he even consciously knows what he's doing at this point, uh, but that sort of come natural to him, like anchoring against the run. What about Braswell and Q Robinson? Chris Braswell and Q Robinson. Will Anderson, uh, these are primarily going to be edge guys, you got to think, right? Because of their uh, twitchiness, their first step as pass rushers. Uh, And with Will Anderson, a guy that I know both of us are extremely high on in terms of perhaps being as SEC ready as just about any other signee Alabama's going to bring in here. Yeah, I mean, Will Senior Film, I mean, you're talking about get off and quick twitch and and physical. Will Anderson was just as impressive as anybody in the country this year. Um, Braswell, you know, Braswell, I watched, you know, pretty much every one of Bryce Young's game and that, you know, and everybody sort of schemed to keep him in the pocket. Um, I thought Braswell did the best job of getting out and putting pressure on him, got his paws on him a couple of times for sacks, mirrored him in open space, which was pretty impressive when you got Bryce Young rolling out and you got Braswell trying to stay in front of him, being his mirror. So Braswell's a guy, you know, and you know, some of these guys, well, you know, with recruiting, it's nature. You talk about the ones you might lose. Braswell was a guy that committed early, and he was a big, big, big name when he committed. Still is, obviously, still a big name um, as a five-star guy. But his recruitment was just quiet. He committed to Alabama, and it just smoothed on through, you know, national signing day. Will Anderson, I mean, when you look, Alabama, 
did a phenomenal job in the state of Georgia. They got guys, and we're going to talk about Brian Branch in a minute, Will Anderson, and some other guys. They did a great job, and that's a that's another kid that you know felt the pressure, um, had some schools coming out after him, and you know stayed strong. I think a lot of these defensive guys wanted to play, saw an opportunity to play, and I think they're going to get it. Yeah, I see some Terrell Lewis, some Christian Miller, some Tim Williams, and Chris Braswell and Q Robinson. Will Anderson, you watch this guy already in terms of how he uses his hands in the run game. Uh, he can set an edge in, in addition to also getting after the quarterback. So a really nice mix there of edge defenders and inside. You talked about Demoy Kennedy and his ability uh, eventually to, to really cross-train between multiple spots. Uh, but then I think you got a real stabilizer there in Jackson Bratton out of Muscle Shoals, Tim, looks to be sort of that every-down Mike that Alabama loves to have right there in the middle of the defense for tangible and intangible reasons because this guy, he looks like he can run the show in terms of making calls, getting people where they need to be, uh, like a lot of those things about Jackson Bratton. Yeah, Jackson Bratton is sort of forgotten, man. And, I, and I, again, this is human nature. When you have the big names that – Alabama has at linebacker position or edge rushers. You sort, you sort of Jackson sort of got lost in there. I think a lot of guys wrote him off um, early on as a program kid. And you know the program kid gets. You know Mika Fitzpatrick was a program kid. He understood come in three years. You know I use him as an example. You know Jonathan Allen. Those guys come in. It's nothing wrong with being a program kid. High IQ kid, high work ethic, and a ton of productivity. Um, on the football field you're looking at a guy to make plays between the tackles he doesn't mind sticking his head in there he will bust you up I'll tell you this there was a plenty of schools if Alabama had, had parted ways with Jackson Bratton or Bratton had opened up his recruit recruitment there was a ton of schools that would have been all over him in the south so yeah sort of the forgotten man um, big guy I, mean, I think I saw him on a kickoff return this year I mean you're seeing you're seeing these yeah. guys you know a, you know when we played guys that big were offensive linemen so you got these guys now playing at these skill positions and returning kickoffs. The the thing that Jackson Bratton is probably going to secure first from his coach that it might take some other guys even a couple of years to achieve is trust. Jackson Bratton from the get-go is one of those guys that if you're Pete Golding or you're an inside linebacker coach, you love having around because you trust him to sort of keep everything together and to go along with those physical attributes at 6'3", 235 that he brings to the table. I think kind of like Shane Lee, you know, the more he shows outside the tackle box as he does that, the more viable he'll become as an every down inside linebacker. But yeah, coming in, you like a lot of things about Jackson Pratton. Let's go back to the secondary, Tim, because I think that's another area where Nick Saban on Wednesday talked about Really wanted to go two and two, wanted two corners, wanted two safeties. And it looks like, based on what we have here right in front of us, he was able to do that. Not only in terms of, you know, stocking, restocking with some prep guys, but getting a little bit older there in the secondary with junior college transfer Ronald Williams. Yeah, I think Ronald's a guy that you, you know, Alabama, you know, you look at that guy. And, you know, talking to Charles Power, who's a who's a JUCO junior college guy, and uh, he had talked to his coach and he told me that, like, Ronald wasn't really the main guy the coach was talking about in the secondary to start the season. But by game four, 
he was the main guy in the secondary. If you watch him on film, he's long, probably a little bit raw. I mean, that's not unheard of. That's what the, you know, that's what Carl Scott, Nick Saban, and those guys get paid for is to teach him set technique. But you're looking for a long athlete, good ball skills on his highlight tape, several plays. He's just a long athletic guy. Uh, and if Nick Saban's signing a JUCO kid and he's two for two, then he thinks he's going to play. He thinks he's going to contribute somewhere because you don't get that red shirt year. You know, a lot of these guys are, you know, try to, you, you know, ideally you want a three for two, a guy that can play three years, has three years to play two years, come in December. You can get a red shirt year on him. You get an extra spring if you need it. So a two for two guy is probably a big deal for that, for, for that Alabama staff. And he's a guy that's going to come in, compete right away somewhere on that field. And he's got long, you know, ex basketball player. He's long. He's got good ball skills again. And, and he, he was a good pickup. And when I look, you know, I don't look, I love the film. The film tells me a lot more than anything. And then the testing, but also look at offers, legitimate offers. And when I saw, Nick Saban, Kevin Steele, and Jeremy Pruitt had offered this kid like in a one-week span. I knew, you know, I knew the kid was having a really good year. Yeah, and Jacquez Robinson, coming from the high school ranks, expected to be on campus here in the next few days as a mid-year enrollee from Sandalwood High School there in Jacksonville, Florida. You talk about Link. That's what you see in Jacquez Robinson as well. Uh, he has some cleaning up to do. You watch tape of Jacquez Robinson. Uh, technique, like you talked about with Ronald Williams, there's some things he's going to get coached up on. But again, those critical factors that we hear Nick Saban talk about so much, especially in relation to corners, looks like Jacquez Robinson between size, athleticism, length, he pretty much has all those things you're looking for. Yeah, you know, Robinson was sort of a quiet guy, but he's very similar physically to uh, Ronald Williams when you look at him. He's long. He's got those really long arms. He's just cut that way, sort of like a gunslinger in a Clint Eastwood movie. He's just long and lanky, long arms, quick, got good ball skills, and he's very physical. His film is very physical. He'll hit you, seems to enjoy getting in there. I think he's supposed to arrive on campus today, actually. And possibly he said, now he, he said he's going to go through practice, arrive today and go through practice today. I would love, I would love to see a camera following of him today if he actually gets to Alabama, <laughs> gets all of his stuff and gets on that practice field. You're talking about going from high school to straight to an Alabama bowl practice. What an eye opener that would be. That would be fantastic to witness. But yeah, he's a guy, you know, he's another guy saving to them. Love those long, lanky receivers. They like the length. You're seeing bigger and bigger wide receivers. They got guys, other the smaller guys, they try to put in the in the slots and at the uh, the star and stuff. So, but you know, both of those guys coming off the class they had last year, which was pretty good. Uh, those are two good additions. The safety positions. One of Alabama's more highly rated overall prospects, Brian Branch, and you talked about it. The work that this staff did in the state of Georgia. And, you know, Tim, you see corners a lot of times in high school that jump over to wide receiver and return kicks and do those things. But you don't always see safeties do that. But that's Brian Branch. You watch his tape, playmaker in all three phases of the game, wide receiver on offense on occasion, safety on defense, return man on kickoffs and punts. You see the football IQ and ball skills that make you think a little bit anyway of Minka Fitzpatrick. He's a solid force defender. He's not afraid to tackle. You know, uh, this is a guy with the different ways in which this staff uses safeties and corners between the nickel and dime packages. Uh, you could see him, again, sort of like Minka, factor it at multiple spots. That versatility thing again, Tim, when we talk about Brian Branch. 
Yeah, that guy was exciting. You know, it was it was every Friday night you saw a highlight. Um, he was a good wide receiver. It was a one-handed catch. It was a big hit. It was a punt return. It was a kickoff return. Uh, you know, some guys just have that feel and that nose for the ball, and you can just tell the kid loves the game. A huge get from the state of Georgia. I mean, massive. This kid, I personally think he's 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 got five-star potential. He's certainly got yeah. five-star traits. I'm not saying that the 24-7 staff will rate him five stars, but I'm saying when you look at a guy, and again, remember, Minka wasn't a five-star. When you look at this guy, he's always around the ball. He loves the game. Um uh, you know, and you, you know, a lot of these guys, you look at Jackson Bratton and Branch and some of these guys, it's going to be hard to keep these guys off the field on special teams from day one, in my opinion. Yeah, no this, doubt. Is a, this is a guy that'll run down there and, you know, they don't really do the wedge anymore, but him and Jackson Bratton will run into a wedge. You know, these are guys and, you know, there's plenty more Kennedy and all these guys. So that, a lot of them have a chance to contribute there, but yeah, athletically, the safety position, um, just a great job. Yeah, Malachi Moore, the next guy we're going to talk about, more of a ball hawker. What I like about Malachi Moore, Tim, is he has a background at corner, kind of like guys that we've seen come through the program, like an Eddie Jackson, who started out at corner at Alabama before making really the career-altering switch to safety. Making that move meant everything to Eddie Jackson's football career. Well, Malachi Moore projects, I guess, more as a safety at Alabama, Again, though, he has that background at corner, which makes him a candidate, you would think, for some uh, a multitude of roles. Uh, and, and one of those in-state guys, we talked about this Wednesday, that, that Alabama's had a lot of success with here the last couple of years especially. Yeah, and you know, physically, you look at him, compare him to Branch, they're very similar. Both of them are cut up pretty good. Both of them had, had you know, uh, uh, good senior seasons. They're big. They're physical. They can run. They're about the same size. They're, they're pretty similar in weight. Um, they're almost carbon copies of each other. And like you said, very versatile. These could be guys that impact on the special teams, uh, definitely in the secondary at the safety position. Uh, Malachi was another really quiet recruitment. Probably didn't get as enough, enough press as he should have. Hewitt kid who committed. And, you know, he sort of leaned into Alabama the whole time, especially after last year where Alabama was landing Pierce quick and uh, Paul Tyson from that school. So we sort of knew where Malachi was going. So, but another big hit in the safety, you know, the secondary wasn't even really a priority for Alabama, but I would say they did great grade wise. I would say they got, a, they got some guys that can really help them guys that fit their system, guys that mentally seem to be where they need them to be as well. You know, and this guy, I don't know if we really know for sure exactly where he's going to land, but an X factor in this, defensive backfield class could be Christian story, right? Uh, this is a guy, as we talked about quarterback, running back defense. Uh, you could see him a number of different areas. Nick Saban on Wednesday, uh, spoke to Christian story, having a preference somewhere other than the quarterback position when he gets to Alabama. So what about it, Tim? Is it, is it safety perhaps for Christian story too? I think it is, but again, you're talking you're talking about a guy like you said. I mean, the Alabama Mississippi All Star game, they're like, hey, we need a running back, and they just throw him back there. And you know, he held his own. Um, playing small school ball, obviously, the learning curve is going to be a little bit steeper. But small school ball, but big time talent. He's an athlete. I think personally, he projects as, as the safety position. It's possible he could grow into the outside linebacker position as well. But if you put this guy the slide as wide receiver. 
the guy's not a bad quarterback. I don't think he'll quarterback at Alabama. They got a couple good ones there. So, but the guy could have definitely. We saw guys, you and I, earlier in our careers, we saw guys like this that ended up choosing a Georgia Tech over in Alabama because they wanted to play quarterback. So he's that kind of athlete, not a bad quarterback at all. Um, and I had I had college staffs tell me they thought he was a quarterback on the next level, not at the SEC level not at the level Alabama recruits and at that top five level, but there was places they thought he could have played. So he is sort of the X factor. You throw in the four guys they've got, two good corners, two good safeties, add him to this group somewhere, and they'll figure out where to put him. And, I mean, you know, again, a great group overall. It is T. Watts and T.R., the morning after the early signing day for the 2020 recruiting class, more breakdowns positionally of this class coming up next on T. Watts and T.R. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. And we're back with more of T. Watts and T.R. the morning after the early signing date for the 2020 college football recruiting cycle. Uh, We've moved just about throughout the defensive side of the ball, but let's wrap things up, Tim, with a look at this defensive line haul. Certainly not as deep. As a year ago, when Alabama, I believe, went about six deep on the defensive lines. So from a numbers perspective, maybe not the urgency that there was a year ago. But talk about what being able to keep Tim uh, Tim Smith in the boat meant for this class, uh, especially up front. Yeah, I don't think the interior defensive line was a priority as far as numbers. But I think they really wanted to get a guy or two they felt had upside, a guy that they felt, and that's what they did. They got Tim Smith, who, I mean, you watch this guy, you know, I'm, you know, I'm talking to Shannon Terry, you know, we're discussing what he, he had just watched his film yesterday, and we're sort of discussing what he thought. I mean, we're throwing out names like Albert Hainsworth and Marcel Darius. I mean, that's the kind of upside this guy's got. Monster senior season. He's a monster. He moves. He's a dancing bear as a uh, – former coach I knew used to tell me about guys like that. Just a big kid. He's quick twitch. He's strong. Huge recruiting battle for Alabama. Obviously a great job by Sal Sinceri and the entire staff. Florida put the full court press on him. The kid took three or four unofficial visits and an official visit the last weekend. And again, like I touched on yesterday, I never felt like the Alabama staff was overly concerned about this. I think Florida never really got felt they had their their feet on the ground there. Uh, either so it's a huge get and then you know this is a guy that's going to possibly get in the rotation and he's not far to me he's a little bit more disciplined uh, Barmore I think he's a little bit more you know disciplined than Barmore is now we knew when we signed Barmore he was a uh, a physical freak he is he's a monster he was a killer his films go but he was he was really raw and a lot of it was just you know find ball get ball that was sort of his mm-hmm. defensive technique, see ball, kill ball, you know, that kind of thing. So he's still learning. But I think Tim's going to be a little bit better prepared. His learning curve is going to be less steep. And I think I think we'll see him in the rotation next year. Yeah, I think Tim Smith is that guy you've got to have in this era of football when you're in your nickel 
package as much as you are with five defensive backs. Just look at the Auburn game, for example. When Alabama on first downs in the second half needed to be able to stop Auburn's base run plays, Alabama could not do it. Understanding DJ Dale wasn't available for that game, I get that. But you got to have more than one DJ Dale. You know, you got to have a couple of those guys. And that's what Alabama appears to be getting in Tim Smith. War daddy is the, the, the adjective, the phrase, the description that sort of comes to mind when you think about Tim Smith and his potential. Now, also added a local prospect in Jamarian Latham, Tim. He looks to be more along the lines of the traditional defensive end type that Alabama has brought in in the past. Um, but a guy also that in time, you know, put some more weight and strength on this guy from Pickens County High School. And, you know, you've got that versatility that you can use this guy inside and out. Yeah, he's another small school guy. When you watch him, you know, the thing about watching guys play the smaller high schools when they're this big, one thing, there is obviously an advantage. They're bigger, they're stronger, they're often more faster, but they're rarely quicker. So when you got this big guy, you got this kid, 285 pounds going against a you know, it sounds funny at the time, a five foot 11, 190 pound outside linebacker. It really gives you a chance to see what this guy can do. Like when he's on the offensive line or defensive line, he's obviously going to do a good job dominating. But I loved his offensive line film. I'm probably beating the drum right here. I don't know what Alabama, you know, thinks about him offensive line. I think they I think they do like his offensive film, obviously. And it could down come just to a knee position. But this is a big guy that moves his feet well. They had him pulling. He more of a more of a picture of what he could be on the defensive line i mean you can see he can move you can see obviously he's going to go through all the learning curve from small ball to alabama he's going to go through the learning curve having to get bigger and stronger you know in a weight room all that's going to be there but where tim smith is a guy that can come in right away and play in my opinion i think there's no rush with latham he's a local kid if he has to red shirt get in that weight room you know and like you said a 280 pound 17 or 16 year old could easily be a 315-pound 22-year-old. I mean, yeah, go ahead. We've talked about, you know, finding out more about player development and where Alabama still sits in that area. Well, if that's where it should be, that group of defensive linemen, Sands, Antonio Alfano, who we know left the program already, but if those other five guys come along, if Ish Softshur, uh, if Braylon Ingram, you know, come along with the other three guys we saw a lot of during the 2019 season, there shouldn't be a rush on a guy like Latham. You just said it. And you're right. Athletically, you know, this was a guy who could stand up on defense. It was at the small school level. We get that uh, at Pickens County. Uh, but he punted for for Pickens yeah. County. I mean, he did a lot of stuff. This That, that speaks to a 275-pound man's athleticism. That is, that is great. Yeah. Yeah. I, well, I agree. And, you know, you look, you know, speaking of sauce for, I know some of the Alabama fans were a little bit down in the dumps on sauce for expecting him to come into play, but you and I discussed it, that you're not going to enroll in the summer and be playing at Alabama in September, most likely, especially a big guy, an offensive lineman, a defensive lineman. There's a ton of conditioning. Heck, we watch teams, college football teams and pro teams all year. You can see the offensive line from game one to game five working into game shape. So you're not well, going to arrive. So Sosfer is a guy this year that could develop, and and that's sort of what you're what you're talking about with Latham. He's a guy sit around a year, get you a redshirt year possibly, um, you know, and just go from there. 
Yeah, I like the potential of a healthy DJ Dale to go along with Softshire and Tim Smith when you talk about those interior presences that you still have to have. I know as much as we talk about the spread and we talk about playing in space and all those things, you still have to have butt kickers right there in the middle of your defensive front. Or, as we saw with Alabama at times this season, you're going to get exposed, especially if you've got some guys that can, A, take care of their responsibilities first and foremost, but then, B, get off blocks and make some plays. So yeah, it'll be interesting to see what happens with uh, Latham here as we move forward. And it is. It absolutely is. It's a developmental position, just like the next spot we're going to talk about. And that's moving over to the offensive line, Tim. Um, Javion Cohen coming in late. I, I thought that was big for Alabama because it gave the Crimson Tide sort of that legitimate tackle prospect that it didn't really have in this class before he came on board. Yeah, I think you look at a guy, and again, Alabama's has, <clears throat> they're in pretty good shape on the offensive line for the future, it seems, with young guys. Cohen sort of meets that. He's, you know, he's, he's, when you, when you, you're checking boxes for an athlete, for an offensive lineman, and you're looking for size and arm length and foot movement and, you know, you know, the body to grow and get bigger, he checks every single box. Um, still a little bit raw. You know, we say, you know, I could say that about everybody for the most part. It's very few guys that roll into Alabama like a Marlon Humphrey or somebody with a perfect, you know, really good technique and then <clears throat> blessed mentally and physically. So, but yeah, I mean, he's a guy that you, you get, I mean, a lot of drama with him late in the signing period. Alabama did a good job there. Kirk Kyle Flood did a great job. So you have, uh, um, a pickup that they needed cause they lost Xavier Hill real quietly to LSU. So they needed another offensive lineman. They got a couple of guys they like that aren't, <clears throat> they aren't as sexy as some of the other guys, but you know, we can go back to some of the unheralded Alabama three-star offensive linemen that, that the fans were upset about Dallas Warmack. You know, I don't think everybody loved him. Bradley Bozeman for Pete's sake, everybody thought they were just getting him, taking him to get Reuben Foster. And he's actually playing, he's actually going to have a better NFL career than Reuben if Reuben doesn't pick it up. So there's these guys with linemen. We see five stars who, who don't pan out and we see three stars William Vallejos, guys with chips on their shoulders, we see them come in big. Cohen's probably got the most upside of the offensive lineman, though. What about Seth McLaughlin coming over from the state of Georgia? Uh, you look at him physically right now, obviously going to need to add some weight and some strength, but watching his tape, in terms of the technical aspects of offensive line play, I think he is very much advanced, obviously very well coached over at Buford, uh, Buford High School uh, in Georgia. Uh, is he a center prospect? Because you, you talked about some of the past guys. A guy like Ryan Kelly didn't exactly show up to Alabama ready to play, but ended up being a hell of a center for the Crimson Tide. Yeah, I think he is. When you look at Seth, again, this is a guy, they're going to say program kid, and he's not going to be rated high enough. But this guy... I have a lot of people that I trust in this business that believe it's better to find the lineman to add the weight mm. and get him where you want to be, as opposed to signing a 340-pound lineman and trying to get him down to 310 where you want him. So frame-wise, Seth's got a great frame. You know, I think you have to love the fact that he's a winner. Like you pointed out, he's been around a winning program. 
He's coachable. He's been well coached. He's coming in, obviously, at you know, 270, 280. He's going to need probably, I would guess, a redshirt year. But I think he's accepted that coming in. So you got a guy, and again, you're right, a classic center prospect could be a, you know, an interior guard, someone like that. So for me, offensive lineman, personally offensive lineman, except for the no-brainers, like I knew Andre Smith was going to be good, but so did my wife. So <laughs> when you look at the three stars, I think I think it's a, you see it every year in the NFL. You know, you see guys going from all these tiny schools that went, that were overlooked so I think this is a case, of, like you said, about developing a prospect. I actually like the kid. I like his film. I like what he has to say. I like his mentality. Um, I wouldn't write him off. I think he's a guy that could come in and push for playing time at some point, certainly not this year. Yeah, played some left tackle on the high school level. But when you think about him moving forward and his ability that he showed on tape to get to second-level defenders and finish very nicely once he got there, it is easy to see him perhaps as more of an interior guy uh, at some point down the road at Alabama. Now, Damian George, the Texan, Tim, did not sign with Alabama yesterday, but is expected to sign with Alabama, right, on the February signing date? Yeah, that's been weird. I mean, Damian's been really quiet. You know, he's a teammate of um, he's a teammate of Zach Evans. Uh, so it's been sort of a weird recruitment. I mean, Zach's been on and off with Alabama. Alabama hasn't really pushed for him. Took three running backs, so I can't imagine Zach would end up in this class. Although he's a great football player, he's got some maturity issues he wants to go through. Damien has stayed firm to Alabama, not really showed a lot of attention to other schools, and um, uh, just decided he wanted to wait late. Now, North Shore has a ton of guys that will be signing in February, and that was what he said. He wanted to sign with his teammates. He wanted everyone, you know, to do it all together. And I get that. Um, I, I get wanting to do that. We'll just have to wait. You know, me and you've been in this long enough to know that we'll see what the visits do. If all of a sudden he's popping up at four other schools, you know, you'll, there'll be cause con- for concern. But right now I haven't heard anything to lead me to, to believe that. Tight end, and I know this is going to be a point of emphasis because Nick Saban mentioned that position specifically when talking about going into the new year in search of additional signees for this 2020 class. But Caden Clark coming out of the state of Ohio, tough injury back in October for Clark. Uh, it sounded like uh, ACL and MCL tears for him. I guess that has changed sort of his plan of entry to Alabama, Tim. No, I think he's coming in. I mean, didn't he sign yesterday? Uh, he did sign, but I, but is he still coming early? I, th- I thought he was intending know, to I come got, early. That's a good question. I need to find out. I haven't really looked into it. I was so busy trying to wrap up yesterday. We'll get that second half and how the numbers look. Um, I do know the injury you know, was unfortunate, but he's expected to recover. I do know that the Alabama staff went into this cycle wanting two types of tight ends. They wanted a receiving tight end. And that's what you're getting with an Eric Gilbert and a Darnell Washington. You're getting a wide receiver in a monster's body. Yeah. You're basically getting Julius Peppers lined up out wide. You know, those guys aren't going to block a lot of people. They're basically wide receivers. And they wanted an inline tight end who could block. And that's what Caden is. Not to say he's not a good receiver. He's got good hands. He's not as physically gifted as those other guys. But Caden Carter, I mean, Caden Carter, he was a priority for the staff as far as needing the guys to be that sixth uh, offensive lineman that we've talked about. And you saw that this year. You sort of saw, you know, where a Caden Clark type guy could have helped out by being that that lineman to seal that edge. And, you know, you saw guys flashing off the edge and getting to the backs in the backfield on short yardage situation. 
Um, so he was a need. There was a need. Now, I think Alabama staff would still like to sign more of a receiving tight end. They're still in it for Darnell Washington, and Lord knows where, where that one will go. But, yeah, Caden with the injury is unfortunate. Um, but he's a kid I liked, and he's a hard-nosed kid, and he's similar to a lot of those other guys mentally that we've already talked about, like Demoy Kennedy and Drew Sanders. He has that same mentality as far as being a winner and that work ethic. Yeah, watching Clark's tape before the injury, they were using him uh, at the prep level, similar to a Miller Forstall too. So he can do that inline stuff that you talked about, but uh, he had experiences as an H, and they even flexed him out some. It's just the way of the position now, Tim. I know you see these guys so much. You just don't see that every down, hand-in-the-ground tight end anymore. No, and I'm not saying Caden can't catch the ball, because he certainly can catch the ball, but the added benefit to him is that he can block. I mean, right. this, you know, and it's hard to, you know, we sit here and I, and me, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm the worst of it. And he said, um, I'm sitting here saying he's not as good an athlete as Darnell Washington or Eric Gilbert. Well, <laughs> nobody is, you know, that's a, you know, that's a, those are six foot seven monster type athletes. So it's not really fair to compare them to those guys, but he's not, he's got hands. Obviously he can catch the ball and he can move. He's not going to be as physically gifted as I said, but he was in need. Alabama signed him early, and they, you know, they knew what they were looking for. Uh, let's talk some wide receivers. And man, you talk about a spot on this team where the standard has been elevated times about thirty since two thousand and twelve. Really, Amari Cooper, and before that, of course, Julio Jones in two thousand eight. But two thousand eight with Julio coming in, two thousand twelve with Amari. You got Calvin Ridley following that up. Jerry Judy. Um, and then, of course, the trio uh, from a couple of three years ago that made its way to the capstone. So not a deep class to this point of wide receivers for Alabama in 2020, uh, but certainly not one short on talent with the guys that they did sign yesterday. Yeah, I mean, you know, I think the guy, I mean, it's 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 funny to me. I feel like some of the it. Some of the Mari Cooper was the first, but some of the South Florida wide receivers don't get the respect they deserve. Um, Thao Jones Bell's that guy for me this year. I mean, if you say South Florida, if you say good athlete, if you say film and all the stuff, I think you give these guys the benefit of the doubt because they're athletes and they compete. Alabama, South Florida has been great to Alabama with Amari, Calvin, Jerry, Judy. Now, Thao Jones Bell is a little bit different. He's, he's probably he's not as big as those guys. He's more of that Henry Rugg size. But, man, this guy's an athlete, and he's going to make plays. To me, he's the best of the bunch. Now, he's not getting as much fanfare. And you know, let's be honest, Alabama fans – uh, are spoiled. You know, I, you know, we see the discussion. You can't help me. The wide receiver group they've got now, the three juniors and Waddle, is the, is probably the best ever. When you're talking about athletes and speed Absolutely. and ball skills, I, this, the, to me, it's the best foursome in the history of college football. You know, it's good. Ten years from now, we might be saying it's the best in the NFL. You know, but it would have been as good as anybody in the NFL. So, so it's going to be a drop off when those guys leave. But that doesn't mean other guys aren't going to be good. Alabama's had a history with wide receivers. I think Jones Bell's a guy that could come in. He was highly coveted, South Florida kid. You know, work ethic, all that stuff. He's going to come in and and look to look if a guy contributes right away. You know, obviously this depends on the juniors who go pro. But Jones Bell to me is the guy that's going to have the biggest chance to come in and make an impact at that wide receiver position. Yeah, I'm I'm I am officially Dade and Broward County biased 
So if you tell me a kid is a three or a four star coming out of those areas, knowing the competition and the other elite talent that they have played against during their high school careers, I'm typically going to give them the uh, Dade Broward bump, I call it, where it's an additional star probably to that ranking. I'm in the same boat. You know, it's almost like I don't need to see the film so-and-so offer this kid from South Florida wide receiver, and I go, top 100. You know, that's just – I think if you do that, if you blindly evaluate them, you're going to have a good chance of hitting. And also, those kids down there, man, they are hungry. You know, a lot of them don't come from a lot. They come out, you know, I mean, has there ever been more professional-minded guys that arrived at Alabama, really, than Amari? I mean, It's about eating. It is about eating. Calvin Whitley and Jerry Judy, who, I mean, I watch. My son follows Judy on uh, Instagram. That kid kills the summer workouts that dude is in the sand and he's not sunning he is out there with cones and ladders and balls and i mean those guys you know a lot of those guys just work they've got that work ethic and you're right they want to be have a better life so you know me for sure i give him a benefit of the doubt this kid's film's great um i love what i see from him you know i think he's a big time prospect yeah and there i call it the south florida release watch these guys in their footwork uh when they get off at the line of scrimmage, Amari, Calvin, Jerry, Tyu Jones-Bell has those same kind of South Florida feet that you seemingly can't find a lot of other places in the country. But Alabama did go out west to get another wide receiver uh, in Treshawn Holden. I think he was the final official signee on Wednesday coming from the West Coast. Uh, More so than Jones-Bell, Tim, I guess this is a guy that's going to bring a little more size to the position. Yeah, he's you know he's over six foot six foot two or above. Um, you know the wide receivers in this class really haven't got enough attention. I mean you know, that's partly our problem, uh, our fault as well. You know everybody talks about the current wide receivers. You compare any signee to the group we've got, of course there's going to be a drop off. But this is another guy that I thought you know it. You, I thought he was bigger, faster, and stronger as a senior than he was a junior. I've been told he did a ton of work in the off season. And, you know, we hear that a lot. And, you know, sometimes it's true and sometimes it's not. But I thought his showed on the field. His film, he looked bigger. He looked faster to me. He's strong. He's a big target. He uh, created a little drama. You know, it was a little drama. It wasn't a full-on drama. But, you know, Tuesday night, you know, I'm getting ready to go to bed. You know, the boards are died down. You know, that that whole day is is ready for the next day. And my boy, like – Tough decisions to make tomorrow. I'm out. I'm out tonight on Twitter, and he pulled his Bama stuff. And you know, everybody's like, "What's going on?" You know, I I felt he was firm. Everybody, you know, close to him felt he was firm. But of course, there's a lot of discussion about that. Luckily, you know, he got up in the morning, put the Alabama stuff back on. It was just a little bit of fun with him. So, but this, you know, another guy we haven't really talked about in his recruitment. It's been super quiet. Uh, he took a visit to Arizona State. I mean, he's got a ton of offers. You know, you look at his database profile, and we haven't really seen um, we haven't really seen that. He hasn't even really updated his offers. He's just been pretty firm. But a guy that a lot of people like, a big guy, you know, compliment. You know, you got Jones Bell there at five eleven. You got this guy six two, six three. He's going to be outside, and he's going to be a little bit more on that edge, on that boundary to me. But he's a big guy with big hands, and he's strong. Yeah, you can use them a multitude of ways, similar in some ways perhaps to Seth Williams from a couple of years ago, went on to Auburn, George Pickens maybe a little bit, 
Uh, of course, from Hoover going on to UGA, I like that he wins balls in traffic. He's strong in traffic. Uh, he's going to be an intermediate red zone target, you got to think. And both these guys, Jones, Bell, and Holden, among those early enrollees for Alabama. So you're going to see Holden and Jones Bell uh, on the practice field come March and, and April. You know, you know, another thing, this is another guy, a lot of these guys in this class fit this bill. This is another guy that's been committed since March. So yeah. you've seen a lot of guys committed for, you know, seven, eight, nine months, up to a year with some of these guys. This class, that's a, that's a big part of the drama. I think, again, you go back to that 2018 class where Alabama – got burned in that late signing period by Quay Walker and Bobby Brown and, you know, guys who were committed to Alabama and end up flipping late. I think the Alabama staff definitely has learned from that stuff. We talk about the running back position, and you figured Alabama would certainly take two in this class. The question became down the stretch whether or not Alabama would actually end up taking three running backs. It played out that way on Wednesday. Jace McClellan, previously committed to the University of Oklahoma, flips to Alabama. And when I look at these three backs, and I'd love to get your thoughts on this, Tim, with uh, you know McClellan uh, and Kyle Edwards and Roydell Williams, looks like they got a little bit something different in each of those three guys. Yeah, I think they're, you know, you look at this class and, you know, I've always said Alabama goes after their needs first. So they've got a pool of we need two, like you know Nick Saban said, two safeties, two corners. And then they get to play around with a handful of just too good to pass up. So they got what they – Roy Dell Williams is a big-time running back. They love from Hueytown, committed him early. Kyle Everett, now he's a guy, big, strong, physical kid. He's rocked up. I mean, this is a ripped-up, muscular kid, another very business-like kid, very quiet between the tackles. Um, he's not going to be scared to block. You know what I liked about Roy Dale? It's the small things with these kids sometimes you see. I like that you looked up late in a game, and that coaching staff put Roy Dale at defensive end, and they said, get the quarterback, and he'd go after him. I like the fact that a kid's willing to do that in, in addition to special teams. And, uh, you know, the kid, Roy Dale committed early, didn't test, didn't camp, didn't put his name out there, so didn't get as much love. But the Alabama staff loved him. This is another guy, Carl Scott, who we talked about, did a great job. He landed him. Um, so they got Roy Dell. Then they turn around, they get Kyle Edwards. You know, this is a Louisiana kid. I really think LSU might be kicking themselves that they didn't go on him because right now LSU is looking for a running back. The beauty of a guy like Kyle Edwards is one, he's not going to scare off other recruits next year or this year because they don't, he's not a big name. Remember that was the way it was with Eddie Lacey. Eddie Lacey didn't scare everybody. Everybody was worried about Trent Richardson. Trent's like, you know, Eddie, nobody really, you know, was sort of an afterthought with this uh, during that recruitment. And look look how great he was at Alabama. And then, you know, a, a short but great NFL career. So Kyle Edwards, and he's a tough guy. He's used to, he's at a winning program. They lost in the state championship, had a great season, rushed for 1,800 yards, didn't fumble once. Yeah. A lot of value in that. And he's, that. A guy, he's a guy on fourth and one that's not looking for the hole. He's hitting the hole head down that you told him to hit. There's not going to be dancing or popping it out. He's a guy that's going to go. And Alabama kind of needed that this year. I didn't feel like at times they could line up and just pound the ball on fourth and one. Um, you know, we saw a lot of plays with like Slay, Slay Bolden in there and stuff like that. So he's that guy. And he's got deceptive speed. He's a guy. He's, he's a one-cut guy. He's kind of simple in that form. He doesn't reverse the ball and run to the other side and all the sexy stuff you like to see. But he'll play in his foot and he'll get up the field. I mean, 1,800 yards and – 
pretty, you know, pretty good competition. That's that's something to be said. And then of course Jace. Jace was a huge guy. And this goes back to this goes back to you know again Carl Scott it recruited him and Roy Dell Williams. And this is a guy that's been committed to Oklahoma for like two years. And Alabama just slowly but surely recruited the guy. When you look at him physically, I mean, I was pulling up his testing numbers yesterday on some stories we were writing. I mean, this is a guy that runs a 10, 900 meters, has a 40-inch vertical jump, and is 200 pounds. So um, he's had a couple of injuries that sort of held him back from being completely 100%. Has another guy from a winning program. I think they're in the state championship this week, I believe. Um, so that's another guy that, that has a chance to come in and, and uh, play. And when you look at the running back position, obviously if Najee comes back, and I'm not saying he's coming back, but if he comes back, it changes the board. But if Najee does leave and you look at that running back room, you're looking at three freshmen, you're looking at a red, fir- red shirt freshman and Trey Sanders, all those guys battling for carries. Then you figure out where Ford and Keelan Robinson's going to be. Um, and uh, I mean, Brian Robinson and Keelan, you're figuring those guys out where they're going to be. And uh, I mean, it, it makes it interesting to see how that, 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 uh, that'll shuffle out. Yeah, Jace McClellan, patient running style, and I think probably of the three, the most polished at the position. Kind of reminds me a little bit of T.J. Yeldon and how he goes about his business. Uh, I love, like you said, a Roydell Williams. Uh, see some Josh Jacobs in Roydell in terms of his fearlessness and his willingness, even as a guy that isn't 225 pounds, to really mix it up and and Edwards, absolutely. There's some Glenn Coffee there in Kyle Edwards. Not the most polished guy, a little rough around the edges, but uh, doesn't lack decisiveness or the physicality needed to finish runs with a uh, with a lot of authority. So hey, a nice mix there. Yeah, and you know the running back position isn't all about running four two four or four three one. I mean, it's great to be Dalvin Cook, and it's great to have a Chris Johnson. It's great to have a Saquon Barkley. But most of the NFL is not about four, three, two guys, four, three, eight guys. It's mostly about four or five guys. You look at them, Alvin Kamaro's not a burner. James Conner's not a burner. You run through this list of guys, he's running backs. A lot of them fit the same mold as the guys Alabama just signed physically. No doubt about it. Um, so this kind of leads us up to, Tim, the most important position on the field and one that took a an interesting path. The field, right. goal kick, the field goal kicker, right? Oh, that, yeah, yeah, yeah. We're going to get into that, that in a minute. <laughs> We're going to get into Will Reichert's rehab uh, before yeah. we get out of here with Absolutely. that hip flexor. Absolutely. But, uh, yeah, Bryce Young, uh, incredibly gifted. Uh, amazing how far the position has come in terms of how we used to be so caught up with whether a guy was 6'2 plus. Now it's all about can you just get the job done with the dual threat nature of so many of these guys. But I think maybe one of the misconceptions with Bryce Young is that he is a runner who also is a passer. When in reality, Tim, this guy is an elite passer, in my opinion, first and foremost, and uses his athleticism to sort of help him in that area. Well, you know, he had a nationally televised game and, and he ran a lot. Up until that point, he really doesn't run. He can run. Um, it reminds me, it's very similar to, to Leah when he was at high school at Thompson. He didn't run a lot. They run when they need to run. They're certainly good enough athletes. Bryce falls in that category. This guy's a pure passer. I don't expect him to run. He's not a big guy. Uh, I think he's more comfortable in the pocket. You don't want him taking a lot of hit from SEC safeties. 
um, at his size, but he can run and he's quick and he's smart and he's got, you know, tremendous in the open field. Now that nationally televised game where they were doubling up his receivers and everything, he went off rushing. He took exactly what they gave him and I loved it. I love the fact that he doesn't, you know, prefer to run, but he did run to help his team win. And, you know, his high school coach yesterday called him the greatest quarterback in matter day history. And that's a, you know, that's a mouthful, you know, that's a mouthful. I mean, we're talking, Todd Marinovich, and you remember him back in the day. I think people forgotten what a freaky dude Todd was. Um, even with all his shortcomings, he ended up in the first round of the the NFL draft. And I mean, Matt Leinart was there, and, and Matt, Bar- Matt Barkley, Matt Barkley, just yeah. a long long list of guys. I mean, I counted at least five guys who were in the who who played in the NFL. Two first round draft picks, wherever Barkley went, who's still in the NFL. So just a mouthful. When that guy said it, he didn't like say. He's one of the best. He straight up said very directly, this is the best quarterback in matter day history. So, you know, a huge mouthful. Um, you can't really applaud him. You know, you can't say you can't give him too much praise as, as far as his prep career. Um, personally, I think he's the best player in this class. Uh, and like you said, we've seen we went from needing to be six foot three, you know, that that type of quarterback staying in the pocket to the last two number one quarterbacks. Baker Mayfield is not a big guy. He's not a guy that's going to scare you in the alley if he tries to take your wallet. Kyler Murray, you know, he's probably the size of most of us. So those two guys, they had the same thing in common that uh, that Bryce Dunn does. They have all the intangibles. They have a big arm. They have a fearlessness about them, and people gravitate to them. So I think when you look at that that point, how the NFL has changed, you've went from you know, Tom Brady and, you know, you know, you know, uh, you know, no, Drew Brees even, who is a terrific athlete, doesn't get enough credit. You've seen those pure passing guys. But I think from Brady, they're down more to that Drew Brees type of guy. You know, Drew Brees is a guy, if you've seen him go over the top, <clears throat> you know, on a touchdown, you can see this dude's got a little pep in his step at 40 years old. So good athletes. We're seeing more. It's more about the athlete than about the size. Or the just straight up running ability. Um you know, Lamar Jackson is going to, in all likelihood, be the MVP of the National Football League in 2019. And all of the, a lot of the highlights have to do with his legs. But it is the continued improvement that Lamar Jackson has made as a passer. And understanding that offense is predicated on the run game between himself and Mark Ingram. That opens up a lot of things in the passing game for the Ravens. But you, you still have to be able to throw the football. And First and foremost, that's what Bryce Young does to that point. We talked about the rushing aspect. He had 357 rushing yards this year in 13 games. I think a lot of people that don't know those numbers probably think he was a 1,000-yard rusher this year, and and he wasn't. Um, Now, look, here's what you like about Bryce Young when he does run, Tim. It usually leads to a touchdown because it probably means in the red zone and some of those areas where things break down and you got that type of guy – he can really, really hurt teams with his feet uh, inside the 20-yard line. I think it's the threat, too. It's also the threat when you're a defensive yep. coordinator, and it's there for Tua, and it's there for Joe Burrow, for instance. Those are yards not really accounted for. We Tua pull down the ball and run. Joe Burrow pulls down the ball and run. You know, you know Kyler Murray can run. But guys like that, like even Baker Mayfield, you know they can run, so you can't really you can't really scheme against that. So I think Bryce Young falls in that category. You're trying to stop this, this, and this. Uh oh, you know, you know, you, defensive backs have their back running down the field to the quarterback. And coverage, you, yeah. You, you get a blitz, 
you side you sidestep that blitz. There's not a lot out there that's to stop you. There's not yeah. a lot of linebackers, and you know you got to be a Dylan Moses to track down these guys in the open field. You got to be a freaky athlete as well. So I think the threat is there. Now I do agree that like if Bryce wanted to run, if he wanted to run for a thousand yards, I think he'd have ran for a thousand yards. Um, I think he's that kind of athlete, but he's a he's as pure of a passer as anybody I've ever seen as far as being accurate and quick release and strong-armed as I've ever seen on the prep level. Now, I've seen some maybe, you know, you could debate whether they were better than him or as good, but he's as good to me as anybody I've seen. Yeah, and and Georgia, I think, was an example this year uh, when you lose a lot at the receiver positions and you don't have a quarterback necessarily that can pose that, that threat with his legs. Man, the field gets so tight. It gets so condensed in third down and red zone opportunities, and that's where you see offenses like Georgia uh, especially have its struggles. Now, Tim, some guys who didn't sign yesterday with Alabama that we need to get to here as we wrap this up. Uh, previously committed to Alabama, we, we touched on Damian George earlier, uh, but Javon, uh, Javon Baker at the wide receiver position did not sign yesterday. Jason Jones and a, a lineman, whether it's offensive, defensive, we've talked about that on previous podcasts for the Calera product, did not sign with Alabama yesterday. And Jamil Burroughs, a defensive line uh, commitment from the state of Georgia, uh, didn't sign. Do you, do you think any or all three of those guys ultimately end up uh, in this class? Yeah, I mean, it's hard to predict, you know, so, you know, up to February to go and those guys have their stock. I think Jamil and Javon, they've been pretty, you know, both of those are really good football players. You know, J- Jamil's a guy, he's an active defensive lineman. Javon, he has some maturity issues I think he needs to work on along with his academics. But, you know, when it comes to football player, that's one of those guys that just wants to ball, you know, so he's going to have to adjust to like being in college, I think, going to academics and doing all the right things. But as far as a guy with ball skills, Javon Baker's a dog. I mean, I say that in the highest compliment I can. He gets after it. I mean, he will, you know, he'll fist fight you for every ball. He he catches unbelievable catches. Physically not great, you know, but again, everybody's not going to run a 4-4 at the wide receiver position. But also everybody who can catch the ball, Jarvis Landry, guys like that who aren't 4-4 guys, there's a lot to be said about that guy that when it hits his mitts, he's going to catch it. I think Javon falls there. I think both of them have a shot. They need to get their grades in, in order, obviously. Um, I don't expect Jason Jones to sign. Uh, you know, at this point, I would say he's more of a blue shirt candidate uh, on the offensive line. I'm not sure really his recruitment stance. He said he's going to wait till February. He's flirted with some other schools, but I don't think he'll be signing with this class regardless. He could be in the class down the road. We'll see how that plays out. But, yeah, I mean, Alabama going into this, one thing I want to say after going over this class, Alabama fans should be thrilled with this class. This is a fun class. Watch their highlights. There's a lot of stuff. The staff did a great job. You wanted guys to get after the quarterback, they got they got plenty of them. They got plenty of them with potential to chase down the quarterback. You want athletes. You want hard workers. You want guys that were, that were low maintenance that committed and just wrote out their commitment. They're all in this class. This is a class that they should love. Now, with that said – you know, Alabama's got 21 commitments. Um, is that right? 21 signs. So they're going to have 22 signs. So they're going to have, you know, three or four or five scholarships here to play around with in the, in the, in the late period. So they're, uh, um, they're going to be, they're going to still be digging. I mean, you know, we mentioned Darnell Washington is still deciding. I think Alabama's a little bit on the outside looking in for Darnell. 
at this point. Um, you know, there's a guy like Xavier Henderson, who's a wide receiver, I think, is going to end up in Clemson, Alabama's involved with. But you're getting down to some big names. Talk big to names. me about McKinley Jackson. Talk to me about McKinley Jackson, the big that, defensive lineman from Mississippi. That, that to me, is the dog that's still out there, really. Watching that guy on Saturday in the Alabama-Mississippi All-Star game, that might as well have been you and me trying to block McKinley Jackson on Saturday, Tim. Well, it kind of was me and you. I saw some of that competition. <laughs> I saw the practice video. I was like, shoot, I never knew I was so good at football. You know, I didn't know I was a Mississippi All-Star. But that left guard, Tim Watts. Oh, man, yeah. yeah. That guy was uh, – McKinley's a man among boys on, on any field. It's about to be World War III with McKinley Jackson. Alabama's in there. Pete Golden's been recruiting him. They're a school involved. But let me tell you some of the names I anticipate being involved. Alabama, Auburn with Rodney Gardner, LSU is doing a good job. Um, Alabama, Auburn, whom I miss. Georgia has jumped into the mix. Wouldn't shock me to see Tennessee trying to get in there with a guy of this caliber. And you're at Lane Kiffin in his first year at Mississippi at uh, at Ole Miss, the first year trying to land a big fish. So McKinley Jackson is going to be really interesting. He's going to have a uh, he's going to have to hire a secretary to fill these phone calls and somebody to in a in a in a Rottweiler to keep everybody off his porch. I'm guessing. There's some guys, and we talked about this a little bit here of late, how going into the later stage of this process, their popularity is going to go through the roof now that the pool has been thinned out so much. The herd, I guess you could say, has been thinned out as much as it has uh, on Wednesday. Uh, But McKinley Jackson is legitimately one of those guys, whether it's early or late, right? This is a, a headline guy that you want in your class. Yeah. You know, I think that, yeah, like I, you know, we discussed this yesterday when you've got, um, you got, I don't know. I haven't seen the final. You got 80% of this class has signed. So the 20% left are all the superstars. It's almost like going to a bar at, you know, 11 o'clock at night, all the single girls are the best looking ones there. You know, you just eliminate the ones with dates. The, they start climbing up the ladder. McKinley Jackson's a great prospect, but he's even greater now because of, 80% of the class is signed. Yeah. You know, yeah, the so you, two, the twos at 10 or tens at two. I probably shouldn't say that, that but at, at, no, no, absolutely. <laughs> and, that, and for the women that applies to men as well. We know y'all, absolutely. Look, we know y'all look at us that way. That's why we, that's why we're there. Uh, I was, I was always hoping somebody would go ugly early with me. Well, that's, trust me. That's, yeah. why, that's why we're there at two. We're waiting out the good looking guys. We're like, just trying to get it. Yeah. Get, Hey guy, pick yours out. I'll be here. I'm waiting. So, but you look at that, you know, a guy I really like at this tight end position is this guy, Brandon Frazier, that Jeff Banks went and saw late. You know, this is another guy in the late period. Watch his film and tell me what you think. This is a big dude. This is a 6'6", 6'7", 250-pound guy playing over there in tough Texas football and making everybody look bad. You line him up outside. I think this is the guy that's that receiving threat. Um, He's got a great frame. You've seen these guys go to college as a tight end end up as a you know an offensive tackle what was the dude's name lane johnson was that his name that went to the eagles in yeah the i think um, that i think that guy was signed as a tight end big guy and grew into that tackle and he's a pretty dang good one last i checked so um this guy brandon frazier is a guy I like he's a big kid i know alabama dropped in on him he was committed to arkansas i never paid any attention to him then during the coaching change he opened up I think this guy could be a you know priority for Alabama. Definitely somebody they they look at if they miss on Darnell. Um, uh, 
if, if they miss on Darnell, which you know he's supposed to decide. I don't know if Darnell and you know Darnell's interesting because if he doesn't sign early, if he actually doesn't sign early, it's really going to be on for February. So they're supposed guys, to. He's supposed to announce that at the Under Armour game, right? Or the All American right? game. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. He hinted that he was going to sign, and then I'm hearing that he's not going to sign. I mean, they still have through tomorrow to to get that signed. And of course, we saw the Jordan Birch guy. We haven't mentioned who Alabama was in it. Com- committed to South Carolina. Apparently, isn't sending this paperwork until February. So Alabama still has a lot of big, lot of big fish to go fishing for. Um, and that you know the thing about the Alabama staff, they did. How many guys have they found late in the process? I mean, Eddie Jackson. Remember when everybody was upset? Alabama's passing on Jalen Ramsey. They found Eddie Jackson. Josh Jacobs. Josh Jacobs. You know, just so, so, I mean, Mark Ingram popped up in December of that year. I mean, there's so many guys that they found late because of the, the way that the way they handled their business. That I mean, you have to have faith in this staff to go digging, digging a few guys out to fill the rest of this class up. Well, we're going to go ahead and get out of here. I think we pretty much covered it all in the wake of the early signing day from Wednesday. As always, great stuff from Tim Watts. We always enjoy having you here with us. We appreciate you being here with us on T. Watts and TR, part of the Built by Bama online podcast. Uh, As Tim will tell you, and I will as well, you need to be on the roundtable at BamaOnline.com. Still going to be plenty of uh, nuggets tidbits goodies on the recruiting trail and of course we've got alabama in the midst of citrus bowl preparation for the university of michigan that game in orlando florida on new year's day anything else tim as we get out of here no it was great i appreciate you guys listening travis you hosting i mean i love this recruiting cycle it's halfway done i had a great time with it i know some of the posters worry we we answer the same questions over and over and over we're okay with that we know y'all's schedule's different some people are checking in at five. They don't want to comb through a hundred posts to see, see, uh, you know, see what I've got to say. So they ask a question. We love it. I love, I love it. I'm looking forward to the getting through February and then starting on that next 2021 class. Absolutely. So for Tim Watts, I'm Travis Ryer. Thanking you again for joining us here on T Watts and TR, and of course our home there at BamaOnline.com. Keep it locked to BOL for continuing coverage of all things Alabama Crimson Tide. This is Tony Kornheiser's show. I'm Tony. We expected someone else. So what exactly is the show about? Hmm, I don't know. It's a sports show nominally. Football's over, but we're finally at a point where things matter in college basketball and baseball season is on deck. Greatest three words in the English language, pitchers and catchers. We have some of the best voices come on and explain what matters or what makes an upset, like Ryan does, <laughs> nine over eight. No, that's not an upset. No, yeah, it is, Bob. And if you're lucky, I might just tell you about my search for discounted sleep pants or my worries about what my dog just ate. Listen on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts.